I would say the two largest things that SEOs use back in 2010 that don't work as well are creating lots of thin content, um, targeting lots of different keyword phrases, mm-hmm. and two, um, uh, manipulating links to go ahead and you know boost your rankings in Google. The Online Marketing Show with Joseph Bushnell, helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hi, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. This is Joey Bushnell. Today's special guest is Barry Schwartz. Go to rustybrick.com to find out more. Barry has a lot of experience in SEO. He's a contributor over at both Search Engine Roundtable and Search Engine Land. And in this interview, we're discussing the state of search engine optimization in 2014. SEO is very much a moving target. What worked a year ago will get you penalized now. So in this episode, Barry will be sharing the latest tips so that we can stay in Google's good books and make sure that we don't find ourselves in trouble so that they can continue to send us lots and lots of search engine traffic, which we love. So Barry, thank you so much for being with me. God, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Barry, how did you become an authority on the subject of SEO? So I'm not sure if I'm an authority, but I definitely write about SEO a lot. I cover the latest search trends, the latest search things that are going on. As you know, I write, uh, I've been writing at the Search and Roundtable, which I started back in 2003. So it's been over 10 years of writing about search and SEO topics. And I also, um, you know, wrote over at Search and Watch with Danny Sullivan, and then we moved over to Search Engine Land. I also, you know, started with, you know, obviously worked with Danny over there and other places, Danny Sullivan. Um, so I've been writing a lot about search engine changes, SEO, Google, the changes over time. So based off, I guess, all of my writing over the course of all these years, I guess people deem me as an authority on the space. So I guess just a lot of writing and daily analysis of what's going on. As you mentioned, Google is always changing. Um, it, it's it's very much a moving target, and SEO has changed a lot throughout the years. So what I'd like to cover in today's call um, is the state of SEO in 2014 and, and basically just where it is today. My first question for you is, if you had to explain SEO to someone who had never heard of the concept before, uh, what is SEO? How would you describe it? Um, so SEO... Obviously, it stands for search engine optimization, but it's really changed over the years. I mean, the basic concept behind it is not just building a website that looks pretty, that converts well, that is user-friendly, but also making sure when you do all that to make sure that the search engines are able to index it by crawling it. We don't have any parameters that are blocking uh, the search engine spiders from actually going through the website and crawling it. And two um, is also making sure that you do whatever you can to communicate what that page is really about to the search engines, obviously through the content on the page, uh, through what phrases are used on the page, as well as stuff that are off page factors like, you know, who's, you know, who's in your network, who's linking to you, um, what's, you know, being talked about you on the web through social media and stuff like that. So it's really looking at like a holistic approach about the whole website, not just about, um, you know, conversions and usability and stuff like that, but also about, you know, making sure not to have any, uh, you know, blockades for those search engines to actually crawl your website and really understand what your website's about, both on the on-page factors as well as the off-page factors. 
I know in the last few years that we've uh, seen some really big changes with Google. They do these updates to their algorithm and sometimes it can drastically change things. Can you tell us about some of the big updates that have really changed the way that SEO is done? Um, yeah, I, mean, I guess you would call them the, the, the Google Zoo or whatever you want to call them these days. Basically, it's these, these uh, nicknames that you know Google has assigned to them or we have assigned to them as the SEO community. Um, the most significant change, I guess, in the most recent history in the past five years or so of Google uh, was probably the Google Panda algorithm, which was launched back in February 2011, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that specifically was the, one of the largest algorithm updates on the search quality side that actually had an impact, on, I believe, close to like 12 or 13% of the search queries. And that actually got a lot of webmasters to scratch their heads and say, why, you know, what's going on with my website? Um, and, a lot of larger websites, a lot of content, so their sites drop in the ranking. So I would say Panda is probably the, one of the most significant algorithm changes uh, we had in history. Of course, there was the Penguin algorithm, which went after not the content on the page, but more about the links to the website. Um, and the Penguin algorithm um, has been updated several times as well, but you know not as many as the Panda algorithm. And it was done about a year and a half or so after, um, after the uh, Panda algorithm. And that actually had a more of an impact on SEOs because SEOs were understood or understand back, you know, back then that links were, are, links are and, you know, were and still are the, one of the main factors in terms of Google's ranking algorithm. And SEOs figured out ways, obviously, to manipulate that signal. And Penguin was a counteraction in terms of, you know, making sure that links that were acquired by um, these SEOs were actually real links, not paid links, not manipulative links, not links that are done to manipulate Google search rankings. And it's not perfect, but it definitely had a major impact on the SEO community because a lot of SEOs obviously, you know, took advantage of that hole or whatever you want to call it in terms of link, you know, link acquisition and Penguin, you know, went ahead and after that. So the SEO community, I think, felt the Penguin algorithm maybe more than they felt the Panda algorithm, while the Panda algorithm probably had a larger impact on webmasters in general outside of the SEO community. Um, and of course, we had other algorithm updates um, around that time as well. We had the spam algorithm, which we nicknamed the payday loan algorithm. We had, um, just going off the top of my head, I'm probably forgetting some, uh, we had the page layout algorithm that impacted heavy ad sites, ads with lots of ads all over them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had algorithms um, that looked at um, you know, if people are abusing their customers, we have tons of different algorithms out there that actually have that impact websites. But I would say the two most significant updates in the past five years are probably the Panda and the Penguin algorithm updates. Of course, we can go back 10, 15 years and talk about other ones, but I don't know if you want to do that. No, those would certainly be the main two that I know of. So what does this mean? Let's translate this into what it actually means in terms of SEO practices. What would be some outdated SEO practices, um, things that used to work but don't now? Let's go back um, to before the Panda algorithm. Um, let's say that we're doing SEO in 2010 and we're doing things a certain way. What things may we have been doing in 2010 that were working for us, but now in 2014 they would have the opposite effect? Google will actually not like it and they would um, and they would penalize us for it. Right, so it goes back to the Panda and Penguin algorithms. Um, and Panda, so the thing that worked very well were two factors. One is obviously um, the links, you know, links, you know, getting links, either buying links from link networks or, uh, or you know, just getting links from different sources that you might have had. 
um, in a way that was not natural, not necessarily natural linking. Like people, you know, natural link is like you writing, doing this podcast with me, um, and then people liking it and then linking to it, saying you have to go ahead and check out this podcast and link it to your blog. That's a natural thing. Mm-hmm. But if you went ahead and you know created a web page like an e-commerce site, and you said, and you went ahead and get went ahead and told people your vendors you have to link to me because it will help your page rank, or if you have to, you know, here's some here's five dollars, go ahead and add a link to your page. That is not really natural. So that was one of the most um, common things you would see back in 2010 or in 2011 or so, um, before the Penguin algorithm launch. And you see a lot of that still going on today, but it's less of an issue or less of a topic these days because of the Penguin algorithm. And on the, on the content side, there was a second strategy. A lot of people created a lot of content, um, content that not, not necessarily was very useful, but content that was that was very um, key, long tail keyword specific. So. Um, you might go ahead and try to target a keyword like, um, I don't know, let's say Blue Widget, um, and then you might go ahead and say, all right, I'm going to create five or ten different pages around Blue Widgets that are targeting different keywords around that. So um, like Big Blue Widget or Small Blue Widget or Upside Down Blue Widget, and they're all kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just different keyword combinations that people are searching for. But the content itself is pretty much the same. You know, there's not much of a difference between, let's say, a big blue widget versus a small blue widget, just in size. Um, so a lot of those people were creating pages, not just in that example, but a lot of pages that were very thin in terms of unique content, um, just because they wanted to go ahead and target uh, very long tail keywords as well as you know, short shorter tail keywords um, in areas that you know people would search for. So they would create, I don't know out of one keyword phrase, you know, another 50 landing pages around that just to target all of them. Uh, and Panda was one of those algorithms that actually looked at that type of thin or low-quality content, didn't have much value add, and said, all right, I'm going to prune these out and I'll write them as well. Um, so sites like, uh, a lot of like answer sites got hit with that uh, and stuff like that. So the, the two things that I would say, the two largest things that SEOs used back in 2010 that don't work as well are creating lots of thin content um, targeting lots of different keyword phrases mm-hmm. and two, um, uh, manipulating links to go ahead and you know boost your rankings in Google. Would guest blogging come into that manipulating links category? I know that it used to be very, very popular. Is that something that's not such a good idea anymore? So obviously Panda, I'm sorry, Penguin tried to go ahead and attack some of the guest blogging links. Mm-hmm. But the problem with guest blogging links is it's so wide. So Google... Um, goes ahead and has other things they do to actually go ahead and target guest blogs. Um, and some of that is algorithmic via Penguin and stuff like that. And some of it has to do with manual actions. And manual actions are basically Google humans looking at websites that seem to have some type of red flag or whatever it might be and saying, all right, let's look at the link structure there. And they might notice lots of links coming from different guest blogs or less blog, blog network. So either Google looks at specific sites with issues, or they look at the actual guest. They get into the guest blog network. They get into like a big guest blog network, backtrack all those links, and go ahead and penalize the whole network, um, both the source of the links as well as the sites that are distributing the links, which obviously um, you know remove that manipulative uh, factor from Google from Google from sites ranking well for those purposes. So it's not just algorithmic, but it's also manual actions that have an impact on. On this type of stuff, and Google's been very heavy-handed on the manual actions around links, specifically these days. So, is link building in any way, shape, or form allowed, or must it be entirely natural? 
Is it now just a case of producing incredible content that gets linked to? Is that the only way to do things now? Right. So it's hard to say like link building is not allowed because people might consider link building as building a useful and unique piece of content or tool or video or whatever it might be that people find to be useful and that's your link building strategy. So if you build something great um, and you think people will link to it, and that's, you know, that's fine. But if you go ahead and, you know, your link building strategy is guest blogging, your link building strategy is comment spamming, if your link building strategy is around buying links, that is bad. But link building around, you know, building something that's unique and useful, like a tool on your website or a special mobile app or something like that, would obviously still be considered valuable um, content and valuable something valuable that Google wants to rank well. Um, and it's a great, great way to get links. Um, I don't think people should look at link building in terms of uh, link building. I think people should really think about what could they do on their website that would actually attract users. And if you build content that attracts users, there's no doubt that people's gonna wanna, people will want to go ahead and link to it. Um, so that's the way I take it. And when I write content, I'm looking at what can I do to make my readers happy at the end of the day. And will that, you know, will that attract links is, yeah, I mean, 100%. If you make your users happy, people will pick up on it and link to it in social media. People will link to it across the internet um, and blogs and stuff like that naturally without you asking them. One of the most common ways that someone would share, um, you know, perhaps people don't generally link from their web page when they want to share something um, or, or link from their blog. Most of the time when someone shares something, they're going to share it on Facebook or on Twitter or on Google Plus or whatever social network that they, they use. So does social sharing have any SEO effect or does that not really come into the equation? So you ask if social has an impact on rankings these days? Yeah. Um, so that's like a tricky answer. So the links, well, one is, all right, so let's just step back. So do, if, does Google know that somebody thumbs up or likes something on Facebook? Mm-hmm. Maybe does Google know that somebody plus one something on Google Plus? They probably do. Does Google use that for their in their ranking algor- algorithm, their pure ranking algorithm? Matt Cutts says no, um, but they definitely use it in personalized search. So if I plus one something on Google Plus and you're a friend of mine, you might go ahead and see if you search for something that's relevant to that. You might go ahead and see that a little higher in the search results if you're logged in while you're searching. It's not necessarily an SEO tactic or a pure ranking algorithm change, but it does have to, it does impact um, personalized search, which pretty much anybody who's searching on Google that's logged in or have a Google Gmail account or whatever sees. Um, now, another question is, are there off factor things specifically around um, the links in those, in those, you know, if you see you link to something on Facebook or you link to something on Google plus, the question is, are those links no follow or not? And will Google pick up those links um, in terms of a ranking factor? And if they're not, if they're no followed, obviously Google doesn't factor those links at all. Mm-hmm. Um, two is, um, you know, the outside thing about people discovering content on social media, spreading the word through social media, and then somebody writing a blog post or linking to it on their own website because they discovered it. So the more people that are discussing your content on social media, the more eyeballs that see your content or web pages, the more likely it is that somebody's going to actually link to it naturally from another on their blog or whatever it might be. So those are the factors around social media and how it impacts your rankings or not. It's not a core ranking algorithm, but there are side effects on personalized search as well as on people linking to it on other areas as well. So that's probably my take on that. 
How can we know if we've incurred any penalties, Barry? Let's say that we accidentally violated some of these rules. Maybe we didn't know what we're doing. Maybe we had wrong information. Uh, Whatever the reason might be, if we fall on foul of Google, is there a way for us to tell? If you've been penalized? um, Yeah. Yeah, so there's a couple ways to tell. So on the manual action side, if you've been penalized with a manual action, so like Google, a human at Google actually went ahead and penalized your site, you could check easily in Google Webmaster Tools under Manual Action Viewer to actually see if you actually have been penalized or not. Um, and that's very clear. It would tell you what your penalty is. It might give you examples of links, bad links to your site, or examples of bad content, or what it might be, um, and so forth. Um, with the algorithm actions or the algorithms that are – Google doesn't like to call them penalties. They call them just you know quality updates – um, if you've been hit by a penguin algorithm or a pen, those are a little harder to tell. Um, typically, if you're hit by a major algorithm, um, you will notice a significant drop on, the, on or around the date of that algorithm out, uh, that was launched. Now, Google doesn't confirm every algorithm update. Um, I try to document both the confirmed and unconfirmed updates on the search and roundtable. Um, and... If you could go ahead and see, you see a major drop-off in your traffic from Google search refer data in Google Analytics or whatever analytics software you're using. If you see it's a big drop-off in your Google traffic, you could then say, all right, what date was it? And then go to, I guess, my, my site at Search and Roundtable and look for the updates that happened on that date. If you coincide with a Penguin update or a Panda update that's confirmed, then it's pretty obvious you were hit by one of those algorithms. If it's if it's coincides with something that was not confirmed, then it's obviously harder to know what you have to do. Um, but yeah, and there's some, well, it looks like penalties that happen gradually over time. And those are the most hardest to understand when your site drops, you know, maybe 5% each day or 5% each week from Google. And then slowly, um, you're down to almost nothing in terms of Google traffic. Um, but again, there's manual actions that are very clear, uh, and there's algorithmic updates that are either clear because of the traffic drop shows it clearly in the analytics and it, and it coincides specifically with a confirmed Google update, mm-hmm. or you have, you know, unco- your traffic drop co- co- coincides with the unconfirmed update, or you have a gradual one. And those last two are the hardest to go ahead and counter. Okay, so is there a way back, Barry? Can you recover from this kind of thing? Or should we just forget about Google traffic from now on? There's definitely a way back. Um, Matt Cutts, Google's, you know, head of uh, search fam over there, has gone on record saying, if you go ahead and get penalized, it's like, you know, you're not starting from ground level. So if you start a new site, you start from ground level and you have to, you could go up from there. If you get penalized, your site gets penalized, it's like you dig a hole and now you have to go ahead and dig yourself out of that hole to get to ground level. And then from there, you have to go back up. So there is some case of like, if you get penalized severely, you probably might want to go ahead and start a new website. It obviously depends on a lot of factors and you have to look at that very carefully. Um, but when it comes to, you know, algorithms, when it comes to manual actions, depends on the type of penalty you have, it really depends. There's, it really, you have to look at it on a case-by-case basis. Um, there's a lot of uh, SEOs out there that specialize specifically around uh, penalty removals and stuff like that. And even if you remove a penalty, it doesn't mean that your rankings will go ahead and recover from that after that. You still might have to go ahead and do stuff that gives that builds trust on your website that Google can actually say, all right, I'm trusting this website again. All right, you you fixed the problem, but we still need you to do X, Y, and Z to go ahead and prove to us that you deserve to rank well for these keywords. So mm-hmm. removing a penalty, it's done all the time. 
getting back to where your traffic was originally is a very, very hard thing to do. And the reason behind that is if you think about the links, um, you know, if you go ahead and remove bad links that are pointing to your website because that's why you're penalized, you have to understand that those bad links initially were actually helping you rank. Mm-hmm. And now that they don't count and you remove them, you have to go ahead and get new links that are actually well-valued by Google to actually get back to where you were. And that's a very hard thing to do. Okay, so to take things in a slightly different direction, what is negative SEO and how can we fight it? Um, negative SEO is... the kind, So it's been something that's been around forever. Um, negative SEO is basically competitors or somebody else using... Um, tactics that will get your site into trouble, that might go ahead and lead to a Google penalty or a Bing penalty or a search engine penalty on your website, which would then move your site down mm-hmm. from listings and hopefully sites that go down, there have to be sites that go up. So the concept behind negative SEO is using bad SEO practices like manipulative link building and stuff like that, or even at some point hacking maybe, to go ahead and drop the rankings of of a competitor to move, move you guys up. And Google has said it's very, very hard for negative SEO to actually be implemented. We are aware of lots of negative SEO tactics. In fact, they said that the latest spam algorithm actually went ahead and targeted um, a lot of these negative SEO tactics, um, and they're constantly adjusting things. Um, but Google keeps saying it's very, very rare. I'm going to worry. You don't have to worry about it. Um, but at the same time, there are a lot of SEOs that are, are, are fearful of it. A lot of SEOs are very, very afraid of that negative SEO um, and the repercussions from it. You mentioned earlier about um, with Google Plus um, and how if someone is logged into their Gmail account and you are already connected to them whilst they're making a search, that you might actually rank higher in the search because you're connected to that person on Google Plus. Other than that, are there any other Google Plus impacts on SEO? Um, again, just on the personalized search side, um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that, you know, if somebody pluses one something and you have no relation to them, you're not logged into Google, it should have no impact on your search results. It doesn't mean that it won't in the future. Matt Cuts has said they're working on some type of method for figuring out author quality and based off of who's writing what, where. It doesn't necessarily matter where they're writing it. So if Danny Sullivan, one of the leading expert, experts in SEO in our community, went ahead and wrote um, a piece of content, not on searching land, but on some type of forum, Google wants to be able to figure out Danny Sullivan wrote that piece of content on this random forum. And thus, because he has authority, Danny Sullivan, the author, has authority, um, then that piece of content, no, even if it's not on searching land, but it's on a specific forum, it should rank better than maybe the rest of the forum because Danny Sullivan wrote it. Mm-hmm. And that might have to do with Google+. Plus. It's probably more related to Google authorship. Um, but obviously, Google authorship and Google+, Plus are very tightly integrated these days. Uh, but that hasn't been implemented yet. It's not live. Google's been working on it for at least a year, from what I know. Um, and I wouldn't say it's a Google Plus ranking factor. I'd say it's more of an authorship type of factor. So on the personalized search side of things, Barry, let's say that I'm connected to you on Google Plus, And there is someone else by the name of Barry Schwartz as well. But I'm not connected to him on Google+. And I then type the name Barry Schwartz into Google. Is it more likely that you are the one that's going to show up first in the search results. Assuming, of course, that all other things are equal, the fact that I'm connected to you, would you most likely rank higher than the other guy in my personalized search? Um, I believe so, yeah. yeah. That's, that's the personalized factor. 
it's interesting what you say about um, the authorship there. I've been trying to get my authorship sorted out um, on on my search results for quite some time now. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I don't know what the, you know what the issue is. But very recently, they've taken that away. Anyway, they've taken away the circles and the images from search results, haven't they? Yeah, last week they announced it, um, and it finally went through over the weekend. So now you author an image, and the circles are gone. But again. Um, you've got to think long-term here. So mm-hmm. if Google's working on an algorithm to define the quality or the authoritative level of an author, then if that's going to be a ranking factor, you probably want to still work on your authorship. You want to still produce quality content and try to become an authority. Sure. Even though your image is not there, obviously, I, I do believe your click-through rate will suffer from it, even though Google says it likely won't. Um, but in terms of thinking about the future, you still want to leave your authorship on the page. It doesn't hurt to have um, it might only benefit you in the future. My final question is, when we're talking about SEO, we're often talking about Google. Those two terms often just go hand in hand, and Bing often gets forgotten about. You know, The world's second largest search engine just gets left and, and forgotten about sometimes. So where does Bing come into all of this? Do they have a pretty similar algorithm to Google? Does SEO pretty much work the same way at Bing as it does over at Google? It's very, it's very similar. Um, you could probably, and uh, from what I hear, you could definitely get away with more and Bing. So some of the tactics that might have worked well in 2010 with Google um, that no longer work well with Google tends to still work well with Bing. But at the same time, it's hard to say I'm going to do X for Google and X for Bing because it's one big landscape. It's, it's mm-hmm. it you can't really get away with doing certain things for Google that could get you penalized with Google, but not that works well with Bing. Um, so you got to be careful because you really want to make sure to do it right because Bing is constantly updating as well. They're constantly introducing new things. Um, people talk about it less because it's a smaller percentage of their search traffic. But at the same time, you got to be careful because, you know, market share, you know, you never know what could happen in the space. And Bing could actually increase their their uh, market share over time and Google could drop and stuff like that. So you want to be careful. But you want, I would say, stick with Google best practices. Don't do something specific for Bing. Obviously, if they have specific markup, like rich, uh, uh, you know, meta – uh, markup data like RDFA and stuff like that that they that specifically only for Bing, which is rare. You could definitely look at that as well. But um, yeah, there are differences between Bing, Bing SEO and Google SEO. But I would not like say, all right, what can I do with Bing SEO that I can't do with Google, and then implement that because that's putting you at risk uh, for not for doing things wrong on the Google SEO side. Barry, thank you so much for the interview today. Where can we go to find out more about you? And also, where can we go to get more of your updates on the latest in SEO news? Sure. So I write every day at two um, search engine sites. One is Search Engine Roundtable at SE or Search Engine Roundtable.com. Um, and I, I probably write about four to six stories there a day, specifically around what the community is talking about and what they have to say about different changes around search in general. Um, it's more of a, I would say, a more detailed site um, in terms of like following every little detail that you know was changed in the search and the SEO space. And then I also write at Search Engine Land, which is probably one of the most respected uh, search engine sites out there. Um, I'm the news editor there, so I help coordinate who's going to write what at Search Engine Land and Marketing Land. And I also cover a lot of the search news more on the organic side over there as well. Um, and of course, you can learn more about me specifically at RustyBrick.com, which is my uh, you know, web development company, so rustybrook.com, um, if that helps. Excellent. That's the end of today's episode. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you found this episode valuable, 
please do us a big, big favor and leave us a review on iTunes. We'll be very, very grateful. Um, Barry, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. The Online Marketing Show with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.